Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. Special episode today, we will be giving you the full interview with myself and Greg Broughton for Lanks Live last week. Um, if, if you weren't aware already, myself and Greg, as well as Greg with, with other local media, were, were granted one-on-one interviews. Um, I spoke with Greg for around 35 minutes at the Brockle Training Centre, where we touched on transfers, uh, pre-season and all the usual summer plans which you'll hear over the next 35 minutes. Of course, you can read all of this information on Lanks Live and a lot of the articles have already been put out. But for those that want to get a little bit of a deeper insight into Greg Broughton and, and hear the interview in full, we thought we'd share that with you on the Inside Brockle podcast. So without further ado, here is my chat with Blackburn Rovers Director of Football, Greg Broughton. Right, Greg, thank you. First of all, thank you for your time. Um, probably the best place to start is with the, some of the first team players that have been let go in the last couple of 24 hours. Daniel Ayala and Bradley Dack. We just walk us through sort of the decision making process on there and, and why the club have decided not to renew their contracts. Yeah, of course. I think firstly, it's just to go on record and thank them for their contributions to the club, and they'll quite rightly be thought of as people who've made a significant impact. Bradley, especially a crowd favourite, Kariki, because of his unbelievable playing style, his personality, his way of engaging with supporters. Um, and I think he's on record and um, a, a bit disappointed in terms of the number of games he's played this season. And I think we weren't in a position where we could guarantee him what he wanted in terms of playing time next year. So I think when you do that, sometimes you have to say what's the best, not just for the club, but for the player as well, and allowing Bradley now to continue his career and make an impact at a club where he can get that playing time is absolutely vital. But he goes uh, with a, we let him go with a heavy heart, but also by trying to remember all of those great times he's bought here and shared with us. I'm sure, to some extent, obviously, finance has probably come into that as well, with, with Daniel and Bradley being two of the higher earners in the squad as well. You, you've got to balance that up, haven't you? Because if it's the difference to bringing in someone else, perhaps at the top end of the pitch, for example, then that's what you have to make, these clinical decisions. Yeah, definitely. But I think also it's important to say that if if we felt Bradley was going to play the amount of minutes that he wanted to play here at the club next year, the finances wouldn't have played a part in that decision-making process. But ultimately now it's allowing him to go and continue. He's been available for 80% of the games this year, a record for the last three or four years for him. He's done brilliantly to come back from the, from the two huge injuries he's had previously. Um, and it's important that we haven't let him go purely for financial reasons. It's really important that we get that message out to supporters as well. And, and with Daniel Ayala, obviously, you're, it's a position at centre-back you are pretty well stocked in with, with Dom, Hayden, um, Scott and Ash Phillips as well. Is it an area that 
you need to necessarily strengthen this summer, given obviously there was interest in Ryan Portis in January. Yeah, we definitely need to bring at least one in that position, so sure. It's a moving uh, jigsaw as always, so you're trying to look at the dynamics of that, but, but no, we won't, we won't be standing still in that position, we'll be adding, adding to the central defenders. Um, I think again with Daniel, Daniel will be very frustrated that he wasn't available as much post-Christmas as he was pre-Christmas. He was, had a huge impact on the team and the way we wanted to play. And post-Christmas, we missed him. We missed his experience. We missed his ability to see out games. Uh, I've got no doubt that had he been available for those last eight or nine games, he could have had a, uh, or would have wanted to and could have had a bigger impact than, than he ended up being able to just because of his injury. But again, I think it's the right time now for him to, to continue his career and uh, we wish him the very best with that. You, you talk about obviously the experience that Daniel had and, and that's absolutely correct. Is that the sort of age profile or sort of characteristics you might look for to bring into the group because you've obviously got a group of four young since Dom obviously the most experienced of that but it's a, a younger group Daniel at least did have that promotion experience Jan spoke a lot about having players that were used to playing mm. at the back end of the season in that sort of pressure mm. are you looking to sort of replicate that or because generally speaking the club have obviously looked for younger players to, yeah. to develop I think it's both of those things we, we want to keep the average age of the playing team about 24 and a half that's our strategy that's our model but if you let two players go out of the building who are 29 or 31 years old and just replace them with 20 to 24 year old players, then that's going to drag the playing age too young and too inexperienced. So it's, it's continued to focus at both ends of the scale, but we need to bring in two players who, who have experience and can help the group develop as well. That, that's a key part of our recruitment strategy for this summer. On the goalkeepers, mm-hmm. obviously, Anthony Pear signed a new yeah. long-term contract last, last week. Mm-hmm. He was named number one for the, for the remainder of the season mm-hmm. when Thomas Kaminsky was mm-hmm. fit again. Mm-hmm. Do you see a situation where realistically both goalkeepers can be at the club beyond the summer because both will want to be number one? Mm. Thomas Kaminsky is obviously again one of the higher earners at the club. Is that was that a difficult decision weighing up because you've got Ainsley who got one year left on his deal, would feel probably that he was ready to be a championship mm. number one, and you've got an experienced goalkeeper at a Belgian international in Thomas Kaminsky. That's a very diff- difficult dynamic to manage. Mm. It's a difficult dynamic, but it wasn't a difficult decision for Ainsley. We we can't sit here and say we have to be better at doing contracts for players and then mm. not do a contract for a player who's being chosen to start in games. Absolutely. So that, that bit was a no-brainer for us. Ainsley deserves a new contract and if we're trying to develop a model that allows us to progress, we must ensure that our players are on contracts that allows, allow us to do that. We want a model where we have two goalkeepers who are prepared to push each other and challenge for, for the number one shirt. Um, and we're, we're very clear in terms of the communication on that, both internally and externally. We don't want a situation where we've got absolute nailed on number one and the other person just sits there waiting for them to get injured. We need two who are going to push themselves really, really hard. And that's the position we believe that we've got ourselves into now. So the intention is very much for, for Thomas to stay at the club and fight for his place? Yeah, I think at the moment we have to develop a player trading model. And it is, it, I, by bringing this part of the conversation in now, it's important that we're saying, we're not, not saying, I'm saying this because we want to sell Thomas. No, of course. But what we also have to be aware of is we need a position where in the club, in the future, because the financial fair play rules in the championship, you have to generate transfer incomes. I think Middlesbrough did a tremendous business in January in terms of signing Cameron Archer, in mm. terms of signing Ramsey and Barlasa, three top, top players that would get into most championship squads. Absolutely. But they were only able to do that on the back of making a huge player sale last summer to give them the finances to underpin that. We haven't done the player sales in the last five years. We now have to generate transfer income to be able to spend. And that's for every single position on the pitch, not just the goalkeeper. We have to generate a player trading model, which allows us then to reinvest in the areas that we think are really important. On that note, it kind of, 
it's worth saying there's no such thing as a selling club anymore, is there, Greg? No. It's, it's very much, as you say, that player model. And if you have to take a hit in one area to bring in a striker, for example, which we all know is where Blackburn need, need to strengthen this summer as a priority, that's the decisions you make. 100%. The, the, the players' wage bill for next season has been signed off for some time and it sits at the same level it's been at the last two years. It's really important for players, not for our supporters, to know that we're not trying to reduce costs or mm. do anything there from the, from the wage bill point of view. But in terms of the transfer income, we have to generate before we buy. And we have to have agreement and open and clear communication with our players to say, this is the right time now for you to move on from the football club in order for us to do that and generate the transfer fee and allow your career and life to develop the way you want it to develop. And then be very clear on what areas we want to reinvest that transfer income into. Um, I think obviously we can't ever get ourselves into a position where we were last summer where we, we, we're working with Ben almost with a gun against our head yeah. to say, if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. And when then the bids don't come in at the level that we're expecting them to come in at, say, well, that, that's it now. We have to write off that, that transfer fee. And hopefully by doing the 12 contracts we've been able to do during the year with one or two other pieces still ongoing, we'll be in a much better position to do that in the future. In terms of sellable assets, I think a lot of people would agree that Adam Wharton's probably the most sellable asset, or certainly right up there in terms of the club. Mm. There's, there's already been speculation about him in terms of interest, which of is only natural given his age, his, his of sort course. of profile of player as well, which is quite unique. Yeah. What is the club's sort of approach with Adam? Because obviously you've signed him to a new deal, which is brilliant. You haven't got the gun to your head, as you've yeah. just said. But obviously he's someone you, you want to keep in an ideal scenario. Yeah. But is it, again, every player has a price ultimately? Yeah. Adam's done brilliantly, as we knew he would do. We gave him a five-year contract, of which he's got four years left now. I think he's really taken on board the messages that have been given to him by the coaches, and that's reflected in his performances going into the back end of the back end of the season. At the beginning of the year, we said we wanted to bring Tyler in the group to allow both Jake and Adam to get the six to eight games in order that they were in the position where Tyler had been left in by Liverpool the year before. Adam smashed that now. He's yeah. on more than double that. He's done brilliantly. Um, and he's on a long-term contract. He's happy here. He's a Blackburn boy through and through. But ultimately, we have to be a player trading club. But the key message with this is now, it's up to us in, in communication with the player to decide this is the right time for that, that player to move. And it would take something unbelievable this summer for that to happen for Adam. And that's been the model of, you know, everyone talks about the successful models of Brentford, Brian, yeah. etc. That's what they have done. They have picked and chosen, you know, Brentford, let Ollie Watkins go at the right moment, Cy Ben Rama, yeah. etc. Yeah. That's what Blackburn want to have the power to be able to do now. 100%. You can only do that if your players are on long-term contracts. And that takes us full circle back to Wainsley Pierce. So we can't trade with our goalkeepers or any other player, any other position on the pitch, unless we've got those contracts. Unless, then it becomes it comes into the club's hands and then we sit down with the player and say what's the right time for you to be doing this just on contracts while we're talking about that mm. um, Joe Rankin Costello Tyrese Dolan are probably yeah. the two outstanding yeah. ones that people would look at naturally when you look at who's next yeah. I know Joe's said publicly that he's, he's been talking to you of course yeah. uh, where are you at with those two deals with Joe we're close um, I, I'm not naive enough to think that in football close is ever enough to be across the line there's still some way to go on it Joe said both privately and publicly that he sees his future here at the football club. So we're hoping to get that one done during the summer. Tyrese is a little bit more complicated for no other reason that he's in between two agents at the moment. So his agent left the agency that he was working for. Right. Um, he's, so, so Tyrese is represented by one agency, but is self-representing in terms of negotiation. Right, That's okay. very, very difficult then because you're trying to negotiate with a player where normally you try and keep that noise away from the player. 
again, I don't think it's particularly complicated. Tyrese loves being here at the football club, but it just makes the negotiation a little bit trickier. That makes sense why I yeah. know who his agent was and it was not getting back to me. <laughs> That's good for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of the budgets then and what you've said, of course, yeah. do Blackburn have a similar budget to what they had last summer? Could, could we expect similar sort of levels of spending? I know you said the wage yeah. budget is the same. Yeah, the what wage budget is the same. The transfer budget has to be generated. Right, okay. Um, so Blackburn won't be paying fees for anyone until they've brought it in, essentially. In or other players have moved who aren't there and that we have sell-on clauses already written into. Uh, we know the financial fair play rules. You're allowed to overspend approximately 13 million a yep. year. The owner's currently putting 20 million a year, which leaves us, the math is quite simple, shortfall of seven a year. Uh, we'd had player sales in terms of Armstrong and obviously the piece of business that went on with the training ground yep. to generate income. That income's now gone. We were able to spend four and a half, five million over that last summer. So we have to generate now for this summer. Where do you think that income comes from in terms of the, the, the players? Obviously, we spoke about Adam. Tom Scoopsey would be another one that, that immediately springs to mind. Um, Hayden Carter, maybe. But you've, you've got contracts on these. Or are you comfortable if you don't sign anyone for a permanent fee and you go with the squad you've got, which are fully young players, sellable assets that have developed over those 12 months? And maybe you add, with a couple of free transfers, got to be very good in the loan market, for example. Yeah, I think we're, we're looking at four different types of transfers at the moment. We're looking at free transfers as permanents, but also we're looking at permanents where there might be a transfer fee attached to it as well, because we've been prepared for that piece of business to happen. We are expecting players to leave the club this summer for transfer fees, but at the moment, for me to sit down and say it's this player, this player, not only I, I, I can't do that, because the, we, we have to see what interest there is and then make the right decisions based on that. Um, we're also looking at free transfers, as, as all clubs are in the Championship, and we're looking at loans. Um, I think with, with the loan situation, all of the clubs in the Championship rely to some extent on Premier League loans. The clubs had tremendous success with loans in the, in the past. I think mixed success this year with our loans openly. I think we, if we look at Tyler Morton, we were probably t expecting Tyler Morton to play 30 to 50% of games this year, he ended up playing 70% of games because the manager was so pleased with his performance levels that he was selecting him every single week. I think with Sorba Thomas, it's, a, it's an unusual one. If you look at the, just the statistics behind it, he started 12 games for Blackburn Rovers. We won six and draw four of those and only lost two. When he wasn't in the team, after he signed, we didn't win a game of football. So Sorba has had a huge impact on the way we've been able to play and develop as a, as a style of football. We have to ensure that the loans we bring in this year can affect the starting 11. Um, so all of those moving pieces, and then the final moving piece of the jigsaw at the moment is there's a proposal from the Football Association that the post-Brexit GB point rule changes. If that happens at the moment, we're none the wiser as to whether it will or not. So we're having to prepare to work under Brexit rules, but also uh, with this new set of proposed rules, which almost give us a free hand to sign players from anywhere in the world, which will be huge for a club like Blackburn Rovers. And you've spoken in the past about how keen you are to explore that market as well. How important would this you know, change in legislation be for, for, for your plans? Because you brought in a head of European recruitment to yeah. try and exploit that market. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. But the, the, the European market is limited. It's possible to work in it, as, um, as our neighbours from up the road demonstrated last summer. But I think um, it, it's hard without a really significant financial uh, input for, for two reasons. Firstly, players who get the points to come and get a work permit expect really, really high wages. Mm. And secondly, they sometimes expect to go and play in the Premier League or European football. It's a very small pool of players who can come and affect in the championship. 
Um, Pope, if these rules change, it really gives you a free hand and then all of a sudden you're able to do some of the business that clubs were doing in the championship four or five years ago, which can affect the champion, affect the starting level on a much smaller budget and allow you to be a, more, a lot more creative. But at the moment, it's still in negotiation stage. You've got the FA who are trying to protect the development of English players on the national team. You've got the Premier League who, who are looking at their players really with, with no budget restrictions whatsoever. And then you've got the Football League who are trying to deal with clubs, some who've got a budget higher than some Premier League clubs and some who've got zero budget or minus budget if you're operating at the bottom end of League Two. And that's the difficult thing is the Football League are trying to manage such a wide uh, diversity of clubs. We've seen in terms of the, the current championship, obviously mm. the, the final conferred of Luton Coventry, yeah. neither of clubs which have parachute payments, neither of which that have... I know they've got they've spent yeah. some money, but not the biggest budget. That that does give you inspiration, you know, a blueprint that it can be done for anyone that, that obviously will read this and say, We've got to generate to to accumulate. Ultimately it can be done, can't it? Yeah, no, I, I believed in that actually before either those two those two teams got there, because even if you look over the last five, six years, consistently there's been someone in the playoffs who on a financial basis alone shouldn't have been there. Had Huddersfield last year, yeah. last year, exactly. So I think the, the, the myths that have been smashed by this year's playoffs are firstly that you have to have a huge budget to get there and secondly that you have to have a really old average age because if you look at Sunderland they're mm-hmm. in the playoffs with a younger play, average age of us so those two myths have been smashed and we must take those off the table but you must do it with the understanding that, that West Brom, Norwich, Watford significantly underperformed this year in terms of what, what their budget would have been um, and, and that's real and the three clubs that come down next year will have huge budget budgets because of the parachute payment system we understand that how that um, makes the championship such a, such an uneven age but we must stop using those excuses if we need to focus on our performances we missed out on the playoffs by two points two years ago or last year goal difference this year we have to continue to focus on continuous improvement and then if we take control of that ourselves forget what everyone else is doing if we can continue to make those improvements we will be in an even better position this time next year do you think it will be a harder division next year because you've also got Ipswich and Plymouth mm. potentially a, a, a Barnsley potentially or a Bolton the, the, these are teams that will particularly in Ipswich case they will expect to go to the top half of the championship they have the playing budget mm. to do that do you think mm. it will be a t- tougher year next year you left Peterborough off that list yes so, of course well but that's partly because I'm at Sheffield Wednesday and helping, for, <laughs> helping <laughs> for a miracle hoping for the miracle yeah. but now the point is, look, I'm really excited by that. That bit doesn't worry me in the, slight, in the slightest. We've been a lot better against the teams that have come out and attacked us and had a real go at us and made it a really good game than we have against the teams that have been slightly more conservative and dropped off against us this year. We know we have to develop our playing style to be able to deal with both of those. But the fact is, a really strong, aggressive championship. First, is great for all of the clubs involved in it. And I think will really suit the way we want to try and play as well. In terms of the loan system, you've obviously got a very good relationship with Liverpool mm-hmm. with the success that you've had with those loans, mm-hmm. both historically and both obviously since you've been at the club. Do you, do you go and speak to them about potentially who might be available, who might work yeah. for both clubs in terms of yeah. coming in? Yeah, I think we met with four of the top six clubs so far and sat down and had coffee with them and talked about potential loans for next year. Um, I think all of the clubs see Blackburn Rovers historically as a good club that's developed players and helped them with that. But I think especially in the last 12 months, the way we've been able to develop our playing style and expose players. And like I said, uh, Yondal has, has shown that if, if a player is playing and training the way he will select them, he selected Tyler Morton consistently this year. And clubs see that. So I, I think we're a very, very attractive uh, place for clubs to place their young players. 
but I think also we now have to be selective to ensure that those players can come in and affect the starting eleven. I think the balance as well is, I think, with Tyler Moore in particular, I think sometimes he got a little bit of criticism, maybe unfairly at times from supporters, was he was a very similar sort of profile to Adam Moore and to mm-hmm. John Buckley. And if he wasn't raising the ceiling that much, in mm-hmm. some supporters' opinions, clearly, is those minutes worth more to the academy yes. products? I think that, that was the balance with, with yeah. Tyler in particular last it, season. It, it's a fair comment. And I think by the end of the season, we'd established a system which allowed those players to play alongside yeah. Tyler. But I think early on, Jon will always pick the best 11 players and we know what Tyler allowed us to do as a team and how we've allowed us to develop. I've had one or two supporters come up to me and ask me on the street, is he, is he only playing because there's a, 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 a penalty clause? Yeah. Let's get that myth off the table straight away. That, that's certainly not the case. He was being selected on his merit, on what he was doing in training, what he was doing in games every single week. Fantastic person, fantastic player, fantastic human being. We were devastated to see him pick up the injury that he picked up towards the end of the season. Um, but just, it was a pleasure to work with him. So We know that the club been looking in the AFL as well. Course, Obviously, yeah. Jong was seen at yeah. Stockport, yeah. Tramway and other, other things like yeah. that. Is that a pool that you're also looking to? I know there was like Brandon Thomas Asante last year, for example, the club were interested mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Is that also an area where you're looking to pick up more gems? Where a club like Peterborough, for example, have been so of good course. at doing that. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're all across the EFL um, in terms of the in terms of the Championship League One and League Two, I think some of our signings this season will come will come from those divisions. Um, so it, it 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 has to that has to be the core part of our business with the European uh, European and then Premier League loans complementing it. Yeah. it. Can't be those two are our primary piece with that with that taking second place. So yeah, for sure. Ethan Briley, where where is that deal? Uh, that's not happening this summer. We've taken that off the table. We've decided to focus our attention and and the limited transfer spend we do have to have in other areas of the pitch. Um, what we didn't want to do is let, let Rochdale down, but I think we've been in clear dialogue with them over the last few weeks and with Ethan, his parents and representatives as well, and we've decided to move on from that one. So that, that was gen- done by finance, basically, that's been dictated by... Yeah, we just decided that we want to reinvest that. We feel that that, that position on the pitch yeah. wasn't a priority for us in terms of the age and the profile for the summer. So yeah, that, that makes total yeah. sense. But what- but I also think Ethan will get a great move on the back of his performances. I think, ironically, the one thing that, that his move here, because he wasn't in the, in the team before, mm. before all of that happened at Rochdale, all of a sudden I think the club were forced to think, well, if Blackburn Rovers want to sign him, we might be missing out on something. And I think his performances for the club really help him to be more competitive towards the end of the year. So I think in the end it'll probably work out well for all parties. Would you have had to renegotiate the fee that you'd agreed in January? Or was no. it would it literally would have been the same probably just exactly. it wasn't right. Exactly. Okay. In terms of positions on the pitch then, where where do you need to strengthen? Obviously attacking yeah. uh, areas, scoring goals is, is the big priority, yeah. I'm assuming. I, I won't go through every single detail of course we could be here all morning, but at least three attacking players um, and when you say attacking right now, players yeah. across the front right across left the front three, yeah. 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 Centre forwards and, and, and wingers as well, at least three. Um, depending upon the player trading part as well. And in terms of central midfielder replacement for Tyler Morton, perhaps? Yeah, with Tyler Morton leaving the building, Bradley Dack also being a midfielder leaving yeah. the building as well, there'll certainly be at least one midfielder coming in, yeah. Do you think there'll be someone of a maybe a different profile to Tyler in terms of maybe someone in terms of just in terms of physical attributes maybe maybe slightly older as well because it's a young pool of midfielders yeah I, I, I think without focusing specifically on the centre midfield we know we need to add physicality to the team um, I think we are especially vulnerable at set pieces towards the back end of the season and we have to be dramatically better in that area next season um, so I think physicality and adding one or two players that can add that but every single player we sign 
when we talk about physicality, it's being it's giving some clarity to how we define physicality. Yeah. We look at the, the physical requirements of every single position on the pitch, which obviously for a centre-back are very, very different to a winger. But also we look at what the benchmarks are for physicality. Um, that might be high-speed running, it might be sprint distance, it might be accelerations, decelerations. We look at the championship average in those, and we always want to be signing players who are physically above the championship average, and then being very specific on what the needs are for that position. So we want to add physicality in that position. Does that mean every single player we bring in has to be six foot four? No, but they do have to allow us to continue to evolve physically the way you've seen the team evolve physically this year. Just going back to contracts, how does it work in terms of renewal, in terms of the decision-making process? Because there's been some times where we've asked Jan, how much input have you had? You know, and, and he's sort of played that down, if I'm being honest. Course, I'm just yeah. curious, what, what does the thinking... Is it a case where Jon comes to you and goes, this player's been doing really well, we should look to get him tied down? Is it led by you coming to Jon and going, we'd like to give Scott Walton a new deal, even though he's not played that often, he's an asset, we need to protect him? How does that yeah. process work? It's a bit of both of those things, to be honest with you. So we'll meet regularly um, and then put our, put our thoughts over to the board and to the owners in terms of, the, in terms of what the work that should be done but no player is ever given a renewed contract or is brought into the club without Jan's sign-off on that. That's really, really important. Yeah. Uh, he won't pick up a newspaper and thought, I don't think, oh, I didn't know that player was having. There'll be discussions about that. Obviously, the club has to look after the medium to long-term interests as well with some of those players. But if the head coach was completely anti it, we wouldn't be doing that piece of business. Of course, and that's what I assumed. But sometimes when yeah. you ask Jan, you don't always get that back. So far, I'll clarify yeah. that. Yeah. Um, in terms of Jan himself, Obviously, I'm sure you're very aware there's been speculation about his future. Do you have a succession plan if tomorrow Jan says, I want to go to X club that's been linked with me? I think firstly, in terms of the speculation, I think it's great credit to, to the club for, mm, for recruiting a head coach that can allow us to develop and then to Jan for the work he's done. 45% win record, loads of young players integrated into the team, clarity on the definition of how we play. Uh, I've developed a real learning or continue to develop a real learning environment here at the club so great credit to that and the speculation is part of this and that's why we all love football that's, that's what sells the newspapers gets Sky Sports news banners rolling etc um, and, and that has to be great credit to, to the processes also we've put in place in terms of identifying a head coach that we thought and believe could bring us all of those things in terms of the other part of your question with succession planning a club has to succession plan for every single person in the club it doesn't matter whether it's your centre forward your head coach or your head of medical department. This is football, it's a dynamic industry, we have to be ready for all of those eventualities at any time. So, so do you have a list, if you're on, that you could act on? It would Obviously you'd take an extensive yes. process, yeah. but I think fans would like to hear that if the worst was to happen, there is a, a plan in place, it won't catch everyone on the hop. Of course, look, the, the, the Championship I think has had 18 managerial changes this year, yes. with Michael Beale uh, going to Rangers and Nathan Jones, I think were the two kind of moving into a into a different division so you'd be naive not to be working on that at any given time my job is to ensure that uh, the, the board has a list of coaches who it's able to dip into i was the one who brought yondal to the table last summer and was able to recruit him and when we think about recruitment the recruitment of head coaches is a vital but probably the most important part of a recruitment process across a club um, but at the moment, Jan's in a really, really good place. He's done fantastically with us. He's planning to come and sit down in India with us in early June. He's fully involved on a daily basis, even now he's on holiday, in terms of incoming player transfers. Um, and he's been to visit schools in the area with his sons because obviously he's had a difficult year in terms of being away from his family. And he always wanted to get that first year out of the way before considering relocating them. 
So we, we think we're in a really strong place right now. Absolutely, he's got two years left on his deal. Me, so again, yeah. you are in the driving seat. 100%. Has there been any contact from anyone? Zero. And again, directly. Yes, of course. And of course, the what you're saying there, it is in, in a decadent of how well this season's gone in so many ways that people are looking at Jon, looking at Blackburn Rovers, and saying, "We'd like a bit of that." Hundred percent. I, I reading the newspaper over breakfast this morning. I see Russell Martin linked yeah. to Southampton. It, 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 for me, it's not it's not rocket science. If you can have a clearly defined way of playing and trust young players in the Championship, it will give you success appoint a head coach who does in it and don't twist, stick, even in the difficult times. And to be fair to Jan, there hasn't been many difficult times this season, but if there had been, he would have seen loyalty from us as well. We'd have stuck with that because we really believe in the process and we believe in him as a head coach. Just going back to sort of transfers, do you have any concern about how January might impact the reputation of the club? No, zero in terms of the reputation. Um, I think, like I said already, we, we talked about the Premier League clubs knocking on the door in terms of players coming to us on loan. Um, we discussed Ethan already. I think that the, the, the big thing for us is what was our learning from that? And I think there's two parts to the learning. Um, I, I think one of the mistakes I made was trusting a process that I'd never seen stressed before because mm. I was told this is what we've always done. Just trust it works. All of the hard work our recruitment team, all the work I'd done in terms of ensuring that we could get Lewis O'Brien here and it was let down by an administrative error in terms of getting a piece of paperwork across the line, which we can't happen. It's just, it's just not good enough. We know that. So in the future, I have to ensure that that administrative part of the job, rather than sitting on the business side of the club, comes here in the sporting side in the, in the crucial days at the end of the transfer window. That's just a process thing. It wasn't stressed before. We didn't do any late business in, in, in August. So I yeah. wasn't, that was the first time I was exposed to it. And unfortunately, it collapsed. I think the second part, maybe when we talk about the striker part of, of the business in January, I think my big reflection on that is Jon and I probably share a, a personality type in that we're both perfectionists. We both want the very best and sometimes maybe too quick to write off players because they don't tick every single box on the sheet. Yeah. And I think if you look, there was probably players that we, that we could have done business with in January who had a huge impact at the championship and other European leagues that we didn't feel. So I think I have to be a little bit more flexible and be more pragmatic now in terms of how I operate. Allowing Jan to still be the perfectionist, the one yeah. that drives the stands really, really high. And I think that will be a better balance on how we need to work this summer. And that's part of the learning process, isn't it? Because you've not done this role before previously at a different club. And equally, Jon's relatively young in his managerial career. So you hopefully, having had two transfer windows, you will only be stronger. And probably this summer is a fairer place to judge the recruitment team yeah. than the previous year. Because you came in late last of summer. Course. And January, obviously, there, there were some teething issues. Definitely. And I think, look, we, we have to continue to learn and develop. And the moment you stand still and stop wanting to learn, I think you're, you're finishing in football, as in most walks of life. I think if you reflect back on last summer, so the, the three per, we try, if, if you try and, without wanting to sound like a broken record, if you try and judge things objectively, um, mm. we used three marks of success for a signing. How available were they? Did they stay fit and healthy? How many times were they selected? And you might have a benchmark. So when I talk about Tyler, we weren't expecting Tyler to be yes, selected 100% said of the time. As well, yeah. With Dom Hyam, we were expecting him to be selected 100% of the time. So their availability, their selection, and do they maintain or improve their transfer value through the duration of their contract? So if you look at Dom and Sammy, three ticks, no question whatsoever. Absolutely. I think Callum's just been highly unlucky and fantastic for us for the form of Joe Rankin keeping Joe Rankin Costello keeping him out of the team at the back end of the season. I think with the loans, I've already reflected on on, on Tyler Morton. I've reflected in terms of the impact on the playing group that Sorba had. 
So overall, I think I've heard one of the multi-club ownership groups talk really cleverly about this, that for every three signings they make, they expect one of them to surpass expectations, one of them to match expectations, and they expect one of them out of three won't meet expectations. And I'm not saying that's a model we have to copy, but you have to have that understanding that not totally. every, we're dealing with human beings and this isn't machines you're signing. Not every single signing will be 100% successful. So there's the learning from, from last summer, there's the learning from January. And like I say, it's the understanding now that I think be a little bit more pragmatic. There is no such thing as a perfect signing. Like I said, I think in January, Middlesbrough had a pretty unbelievable window. They signed the number one strike that everybody wanted to sign in the mm -hmm. championship. They brought in a great attacking midfielder and they signed Barlasa from Rotherham, who was a fantastic midfielder. And it still wasn't enough to get them into the playoff final. And yet at the other end of the extreme, you had Sunderland, who's one recognised striker, Ross Stewart, didn't play after 20th of January. And they were able to be flexible enough to still get in the playoffs. So that's where the pragmatism learning bit has to come from me. I think with the big pieces of transfers I've done in the past with Norwich, where we were signing significant players who have gone on for 30, 40, 50 million pound transfer fees in the Premier League. Um, I've had a lot of learning from that and now it's about the pragmatism of, of, of the lessons we've learned here. I know everyone would say yes to this question, but are you hoping to get your business done early-ish so that some of they're it. in? Yeah, yeah but, some but of it. If you're relying on loans equally, of course. you're not in control yeah. of those no, deadlines. Some of it for sure. We want 50% of it to be done by the end of June, but we also can't tie ourselves in and say, well, if you're not prepared to do yeah. this, by then we move on. Otherwise, you may as well write off a majority of loans from the Premier League. How many do you expect? Do you have a number that you'd, you'd like? We do. I'm not going to put that out okay, on record, cool. but, but like I said, I'd expect us to do more business than we did last summer. So you can do the maths yourself. Yes, of course. And then, as you said, there'll be squad churn with of others course. going out to compensate of that course. as well. What do you think is a realistic expectation for Blackburn next season? Because if the budget's smaller, of course. but equally the players are 12 months older, yeah. they're also more developed in Jon's style of play, yeah. it could, could go either way, really. Of course. Just to go back to your question, the budget isn't smaller, the budget's the same as last year. Sorry, I meant in terms yeah. of transfer fees. Yeah, the transfer fees hopefully will be able to generate, but the playing budget will be the same as last year. But the expectation is the same as the expectation this year, keep improving. We know we're not a million miles away. It might sound boring and it might sound like I'm the, I'm the most unemotional guy in the world, but I think when I separate myself as a football supporter from, from being somebody who works in the role I have to be a, I have to focus on the process I have to focus on continuously getting better every day and we know we're close we're in touching distance um, so if we can continue to do that hopefully the fans will see more of the moments they saw at Leicester City Sheffield United in the league and in the cup Millwall last year of the season those moments that hopefully allow people to say actually I can see the direction we're going in are you excited for the summer? Yeah, I really am. Yeah, yeah you're ready yeah, to get stuck yeah, in. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really am. I, I had to, I had to separate myself from the disappointment at Millwall. I think the the big thing on the last day of the season was it was never really in our hands because by the time we'd come back from from that, the other results had gone beyond us, and I always felt it was going to be the Preston Sunderland one. I, I really fancied Swansea to do a job on West Brom. Mm. Um, Preston was the one I was fearful about, um, and I think what what that showed as well is we've been correctly criticised from not being able to deal with setbacks, not be able to come back from games mm. behind. But not only to not come back from one goal, but two goals beyond. And some of the works on the psychological front we've done with the players where you've seen, I think we reflected on Rotherham away where the body language and everything after going one goal down, it looked like we were only the, five The performance wasn't bad at one though, was it? It was uh, when yeah. the second goal went in in particular the in that game. performance level against Rotherham, and it sounds stupid to sit there because we've lost 4-0 to a team in the bottom three of the league. The performance level was actually one of our better performances I of agree. the season. 
as stupid as that sounds, and I know I might get criticism for that comment, but if you look at the, how we've actually performed, the chances we've created in the first half were unbelievable. How we got him one down, I don't know. But our body language and how we reacted post conceding a goal, like I said, we're going to go down the first minute, it looks like we just lost a cup final. Mm. So we've done a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of how we react to setbacks. You brought a psychologist in, didn't you? Yeah, well? we, and we continue. Look, I think, look, if I look at our sporting departments, we have six um, medical staff at the club, we have seven sports scientists at the club, we've got six or seven analysts at the club, we've got a big recruitment team. We've got one psychologist who works in the academy who's also trying to do her PhD, who's a fantastic uh, colleague, really, really good at her job. We have to build a really robust psychological and mental well-being. I believe it's a big untapped program in football. There's huge gains to be made. And hopefully now, when I'm trying to evidence that to the owners, you can say, just look, look at the body language here. Look at the body language. We can see the third goal to, Mil to, to, to Millwall. The crowd's going unbelievable. The noise in there was huge. And yet our players are onto each other. They're tapping each other on the back. They're like, we can do this. We can get together on this. So it's a, it's a big area of improvement for the whole of football. I think we can make big strides in that. Just going back, going back mm. just a little bit, but I forgot. In terms of Joe Rankin Costello, actually, yeah. How do you plan for him? Because I know there's been, this, obviously everyone's been talking about could he play in midfield. Yeah. He's said when we interviewed him that he'd like to play there. Yeah. Jan's used him and had discussions. Yeah. Do you use him there? Or do you plan for him there? Or do you, start and you plan for him at right I think back? we plan for all alternatives, but ultimately that'll be a decision that Jan and, and, and Joe land on by the end of pre-season. And that's all from Greg. I hope you enjoyed a little bit more insight into the conversations we had and a little bit more context perhaps behind some of the headlines and some of the articles that have been produced over the last week or so. I have to say, first and foremost, that fair play to Blackburn and for, for Greg for fronting up and you know giving local media the time, um, his time to do them all individually as well was, was Greg's request, which obviously suits us down to the ground, us as local media would, would always prefer to do one-on-one -on -one interviews, but so often is the case that we, we all go together, um, but it allowed us to, to really get a better insight of Greg, ask our own questions and um, create more unique copy, which I think is good for you as Blackburn Rose fans, the listeners. Um, I don't think there was any agendas or, or any sort of pre-meditated um, thoughts from Greg. I think it was very much a case of him being an open book and hopefully me and other local media asking the right questions to get the answers that you guys wanted. So I hope you've enjoyed that interview and, and a little bit more insight into how that all went off. Um, myself and Ryan will be back to record another episode of the, the podcast reviewing the season and what's to come in pre-season in the next couple of weeks. I'm now going away for my wedding. I get married on Sunday and then I'll be off for a couple of weeks. Um, one of those I'll be on holiday abroad. So It'll be another couple of weeks before you hear from us, but we will be back with a season review, some analysis and, and what's to come next season as well very shortly. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter at Inside Brockhall and we'll speak to you again very soon. Enjoy the next couple of weeks and have a great summer.